to East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. It's hello, good afternoon, and welcome to another stellar edition of The Drive here on Fan Run Radio. Dreary day, kind of a dreary sports mood right now has overtaken Big Orange Country. I'm Russell Smith punching the time clock. We'll see if we can't cheer you up a little bit near the following three hours. We're not we're not gonna be too much in our feelings, maybe a little bit in our feelings. We'll process those emotions and then we'll we'll try and find some joy in life because it's that's the entire point of the sports, right? Is to we do this, it's supposed to be fun. We'll see if we can have some fun this afternoon. I'm in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. I've got Marcus Young in here with me today. I've got Chloe Levering in here with me today. Bear is in transit this afternoon, and he's going to be joining periodically throughout the show. We'll pick his mind about various things this afternoon. Bear, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing pretty good now. Uh, about 20 miles back, I had a road grade Road rage incident, Russ. Uh, so, but things are settled down now here on I forty West. Bear is headed westbound this afternoon. Rough sports weekend, Bear. Rough weekend. I'm uh, still kind of got the blues about it. I know we've got Mark Nagy coming up at four twenty. Uh, Ball Nation's grief counselor. Uh, Talk you through so it. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm hoping so. I mean, at least Nagy could point out the humor in it, and you know, if if we can't if, if I can't laugh, Russ, I'm gonna end up crying, buddy. Yeah, well, we we have some uh, friends coming on today. Nagy in hour number two. Dan Harrelson's gonna join coming up here in just a few moments, and and uh, we'll we'll break things down with him. It was a rough weekend, man. It, it, the first sign should have been. So we do the show out at National RX Friday. I get home. I actually uh, went out to eat with the missus and get home like right at eight, you know, to watch the baseball game. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching Tony Valtelico and the baseballs get things rolling with the most anticipated college baseball season since last college baseball season. And I turn it on and find out that Maui Ahuna, like of all the new guys, we're probably most excited to see Maui, right? I mean, uh, all uh, I think yeah. I think he's Big Twelve Player of the Year last year. Like we're all, we're all fired up to see him, and he's not going to be out there. That should have been the first clue that we were in for a rough twenty four hours or so. Uh, yeah, I kind of had a. I mean, did you not get the familiar feeling of foreboding and just like you know the the shiver thing? Well, it was weird. Somebody but, walks over your grave, kind of a deal. Yeah, I mean. Oh. There was, um, and there's a lot of rumors out there too about why Maui is isn't in there and what's going on and the NCAA and Tony and and all this stuff and you know we won't get into all of it but we'll unpack as as much of it as as seems um, necessary here this afternoon but yeah you you had the Maui announcement then you had the loss to Arizona we come out and score a run like um, first inning we score a run go up one nothing you're like here we go here we go. And that was the last run we scored for a while. <laughs> we scored in the third or fourth inning. 
the next day. But, yeah, so you lose that. And then the real fun started. <laughs> this is Saturday morning. You find out no Phillips, no Triple J at Rupp. Oh, fine. Like, it, it worked against Alabama. We got this. It'll be okay. Still a three-point favorite. It's, it's good. We got this. And just another completely flaccid offensive performance at Rupp Arena. Just hard to watch, man. It was, it was hard to watch. It was one of the worst Barnes games we've seen, man. And it's just really disappointing to see it happen twice against Kentucky, not coming out ready to play against our arch rival twice. Twice. We were not ready from the opening tip. And they got it going a little bit in the second half, but it was too late. It was too, too, little, late. too late. Yeah, you, yeah. Fell, you fell behind by 20. You don't fall behind by 20 and, co- and come back like that at, at Rupp. You just don't. Uh, and it, they're, they're not a bad team, but they're certainly not a great team. And, you know, Tennessee should have beaten them at least once this season. But this team, as we've been saying for over a month now, is they're just – Terribly inconsistent, and there's no reason to expect anything to change at this point. I, I'm just hoping we get to the big dance, get healthy, get a good draw. See what happens? Yeah, get get a good draw, and and you just have to hope you avoid that dismal shooting night. And yeah, I mean they they probably won't for six games. They probably won't for four games. But can they do it for two games? Eh, maybe we'll see. Um, the only thing consistent about these guys is they're inconsistent. Yes, yes. They are consistent in that approach. Then you had another loss in baseball that night to Grand Canyon. It's like, wait, we, our great baseball program is 0-2. Tony's got a black eye down there. The women of Vault Twitter are upset. And it's just – and it, that was a rough 24 hours, man. Three L's. And for me, Bear, no, nobody cares about – European soccer, but my Chelsea boys, I get up at, and watch them at 10 a.m. Saturday before they get my, and that was, they're just like the basketball balls. They can't score. Right. So I had two hours of that frustration leading into the basketball game. My teams took four L's, four, four of the most frustrating L's you could possibly imagine within 24 hours. It's just like one after the other, after the other, after the other. It was brutal. Just brutal, man. Friday night through Saturday night, sports-wise, awful. It's that's got to be a record of some sort, man. It was absolutely. Uh, I mean, it, it just at one point on Saturday night, it, I just felt like I'd been in a car wreck. <laughs> like, well, God Almighty, what happened? I mean, the only thing worse than this weekend in, in Tennessee sports would be you come home and find out your kids calling Cody McClure dad. Do what now? I said the only way it could get any worse is if I came home and found out my kid was calling Cody dad. I mean, just, how much worse can things get? I don't. I don't follow this. So Cody's moved in with your lady and like is is taking your spot now, or he's just like gone and found your kid and said, uh, "Sorry, Cub, Bear is gone. I'm your father now." Uh, <laughs> saying that's the only way it could have gotten any worse. Either that or, you know, 
Heifel finally, you know, I found out Heifel was going to uh, like Florida or something. Heifel's decided to give up football and join the monastery. Yeah, exactly. He's taking a vow I mean, of what, silence. I was, I was afraid to do anything. That was a very Trey moment, I feel like. I always get called out for being very Trey like, but that felt like a Trey moment right there. Yeah, I'm still no. I'm still not clear on how Cody becomes your kid's dad, but let's hope that doesn't happen. Calls him. Calls him. I think Cody would make a good dad. I think having a kid would be good for him. I think it'd settle him down, get him a little bit more focused, a little bit more um responsible. I think it'd be a good thing. But yeah, I mean it, it couldn't get much worse this weekend. We did have a BJ Edwards sighting during the game for two minutes, and then he committed a foul and uh, got chewed out. So, can I can I nitpick on BJ here? I mean, this is something that probably we shouldn't get into until the last you know segment of the second hour or something. But heck with it. Like that foul they called him on him out near midcourt. I'm not I'm not Red Arbach. I'm no basketball expert. I've watched a lot of basketball. I feel like my opinion's yeah. worth something. I know that the commentators said, oh, they're going to call that one all day. And Bill Raftery, I guess, has forgotten more basketball than, than I'll know. But I don't know, man. Like, he put his hands on him, and then the guy just, like, Wallace just lunged, lunged right into him, and they called the foul yes. on BJ. Yes, finally. I didn't want to bring it up because I was afraid I would get accused of just being an altar boy. But then that should have been a foul on Wallace. He initiated the contact. He dropped his shoulder, and he ran through him like, you know, Derrick Henry does on Sunday yeah. in the NFL. I mean, I guess you could tell me BJ reached in. Maybe he shouldn't have done that. I feel like it happens a lot, whatever. But they blew the whistle. at. They didn't blow the whistle when he reached in. They blew the whistle after the contact, which was totally initiated by Case and Wallace. Yeah. All right. We, we don't have to. That's that had no that had no impact on anything, but it's just minor minor thing. All right, we agree. We'll we'll, we'll circle back to that. Got some other thoughts. But you know, at least uh, baseball team gets its first W yesterday. I'm not pushing the panic button there, man. That's that's fine. It's whatever. Oh, Lord, no. They dropped one spot in the polls today. I saw that Kendall Rogers guy, who everybody treats like the Yoda of college baseball. Somebody, like one of our haters, of which there are many, was asking him why Tennessee only fell one spot. And he was like, look, because they went out and challenged themselves. They went on the road on a long road trip and played three pretty good teams. Not great teams, but three pretty good teams. They're they're not playing Stony Brook or Iona. They're playing three baseball schools that take their baseball seriously, and they lost two of those games. And so they're not going to get penalized. A, A lot of other teams stayed home and played nobody. So you're not going to penalize them. They're still pretty good. I feel like our pitching is going to be fine. I feel like the hitting will will definitely pick up now that Merritt is back. Hopefully we get a Huna. I know there's a lot to unpack there. Hopefully we get him ready. But when, when you could put a Huna and Merritt into the lineups that we saw Friday and Saturday, that's two big bats. And I felt like in the Friday and Saturday games, we only had like four or five guys that you trusted at the plate. I feel like yeah. once you plug those two in, Merritt is the defending American Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Uh, he can absolutely mash, and Maui is a first-round draft pick. He was the he's he's an All-American. So yeah, you put those Baseball two in. Of the year, you said, right? <laughs> yeah, you you put those two in. Now you got six got now you got six reliable bats. 
it's not going to be like last year where it was just like everybody that came up could hit. That's that is a rarity, man. And and we probably should have savored that a little bit more, but it's whatever. Usually you're going to have a hole or two in your batting order. And that's what Tennessee's going to have. They're going to they're going to have a guy or two in there that's just not up to par with what we saw last year. And that's fine. As as long as you got five or six guys that can really hit you're going to be you're going to be okay and Tennessee's going to be okay. The thing that's kind of alarming is we booted the ball around a lot, had a lot of errors, had some yeah. really just terrible base running blunders. And you know, that stuff they've got to get cleaned up. But uh, I th- I mean that stuff you can't get cleaned up. That's just get on the practice field, work through it, develop some chemistry and, and that stuff will come. Not n- I'm not pushing the panic button on on baseball. Um, I, I think we've already pushed it on basketball and and we're through panicking. I, I'm about panicked out. I've, I've just sort of resigned to the fact this team is what it is. They're going to have some good games. They're going to have some stinkers. And ultimately, we're probably going to end on a stinker and we're all going to be pissed about it. And there's it's inevitable, Bear. It's just it, it's what it is, man. It's happening. We're watching it. It is. It has already been foretold, the, Russell. It's I mean, in the cards. Yeah. It is it, known. It is what it is. But now baseball, uh, the only two things I had on the baseball thing was, number one, everybody should read Ryan Shumpert, who was on with us last week, his article he dropped yesterday on RTI about Botello. He tried to tell everybody that he felt like Tennessee was a little overrated. He was. He was trying to manage those expectations, and we were all, ah, whatever, Tony, you guys are awesome. And uh, kidding. Uh, and then the other thing is, and I thought they were kidding at first, man, on social media. And I started to interact with one of them because he interacts with us. He's always, he listens and sometimes it's a, one particular person. So I DM'd him. I'm like, are you for real or are you just trolling? Because he was just all out. I mean, you would have, I mean, just crazy psycho about the loss on Friday night. And just real negative. And he, he was not trolling. He was serious. Uh, if you're – and no, no offense, uh, if it's a friend, I, I apologize, but a good friend will tell you when you're wrong, that's an idiotic take. This is baseball. That's basically you're gonna, how I ended it. You're going to play over 50 games. It's more games than basketball. If you don't react to a, overreact to a basketball loss, you sure as heck don't re- overreact to a baseball loss, man, because there's so many of them. You're going to – like, you're going to lose games against good opponents. And, and Arizona and Grand Canyon are both good teams. They both got pros on. Oh, yeah. They, they both got big leaguers on, on those rosters, just like we do. We got more of them, and what? we're probably a better team, but it didn't work out, and that happens sometimes. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Both of them have been, like, Grand Canyon, like, they've been in the postseason. Like, they've made some deep runs, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge school, and – um like they're really trying to get a foothold in basketball. Dan Marley was the coach out there for a while. Thunder yeah. Dan. Okay. And uh but I mean you saw their crowd. Like you saw their stadium and their crowd. Like we're playing at their home stadium. It's a true road game. We're and they've got you know they, Southwest baseball. I mean, they take baseball. Yeah, I mean that place was rocking. There. They had uh that the Wilson Dan Wilson's kid who was a former big leaguer uh, is obviously a good player. Uh, their pitcher was a lefty kind of, you know, veteran guy kind of had us 
had yeah, us struggling, so. and we're, and we're, we're struggling at the plate right now. And, and I think the Maui stuff had a big. We, we, we get into it, man. It's it's okay. It's yeah. let's let's pump the brakes on on the baseball stuff. The basketball stuff, however, we got to get into, into it. We got to unpack it a little bit. Dan Harrelson, our own Thunder Dan, will bring the noise. When we continue on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines, stay with us. The drive continues. More Fan Run Radio coming up. Welcome back. The drive continues. Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith back with you. Radio Monday afternoon. Happy President's Day. Congratulations if you got the day off. Shout out to all the school kids out there who are no doubt observing President's Day, like reflecting on our better presidents, our, our worst presidents, and really getting into the spirit of the holiday. Or if they're like my kids, they are playing video games and staring at their phones. I mean, that's what I did. Yeah. I'll be honest. You haven't reflected at all on the presidents today, Marcus? Today... No. Do you have a favorite president? Hmm. We'll just say John, let's say John Adams. Why not? We'll John go Adams. I what did you want me to say? I don't know. I thought you were going to go with Lincoln. That that's the safe play, right? Just always go with Lincoln. Because that's what like both you know he's he's both, done good both things. Side, both sides of the modern aisle kind of claim him. Sure. technically he's a Republican, but. You certainly got some like modern democratic yeah. tendencies. Mine's Frank D. Frank Delano Roosevelt. FDR. Heck yeah! I should have known a bleeding heart lib like you would go for the socialist. Frank oh, D. Oh, the man that the man that helped steer the free world through World War II, ushered in a, an era of, of prosperity in this country that lasted for almost seventy years before the greed heads got put back in charge. Yeah. And unwinding everything. Period of prosperity as long as you were um, of a certain. Never mind. Never mind. We don't have to get. We don't have to go down this uh, take, show about to take a dark turn. I've learned to recognize this over the years. This point, and I'm just slam on the brakes like Fred Flintstone, putting his feet down, slamming the brakes down on, on that car. Always thought that would really hurt his feet, but. Uh, Fred was tough. He had those calluses. Let's bring in Dan Harrelson from VolsWire.com on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Dan, I'm sorry you had to listen to that, but uh, we appreciate that you're here this afternoon. How are you, brother? Doing pretty well. I, I guess I got to give a uh, shout-out to Jackson, Polk, and Johnson, the three from Tennessee. Nice. Nice. Now, wasn't was it Jackson or Polk? One of them is like in – was actually born, I think, on the North Carolina-South Carolina border. I think this was Jackson, and then he moved here, right? He moved to the mid-state. Uh, Jackson, maybe, but I do know Polk uh, lived where he was born in North Carolina and then moved to Nashville. I think his house is just south of uh, Nashville. I've actually been to it. It's pretty cool. But um, I, I know for a fact Polk was born in North Carolina and then moved over okay. Jackson probably did the same yeah thing. i think i think they both are and if you've never been to the hermitage in the mid-state right outside of nashville andrew jackson's estate do yourself a favor stop by there's interesting place he was in like multiple duels i think he got shot once in washington old hickory was 
different breed of cat, Dan. Yeah, and it's funny you mention that because Polk got his nickname because uh, from Old Hickory, Jackson, but they called him Little Hickory. He only served like one term, but he was responsible for uh, a lot of the western states on the west coast becoming states. So he, he actually did a lot in, in four years. He, he didn't run again. He just mentioned that that he just wants to do four years. The, the reason I know this, that a couple years ago, BYU and Tennessee played, and there were so many connections between Polk and the Mormons. When the Mormons were going out west, too, it was very, very interesting. I was just kind of reading up and studying that. Was it um, James K. Polk had some sort of – like really awful uh, botched kidney stone surgery. I, I, I think, like, hesitant to say this. Uh, Mar- Marcus, you might have to fact check me on this. I think Polk had, he was like castrated. Yeah, he, oh. he got really sick. He died at an early age. And, of course, early age back then was, I don't know if he made it to 50 or what, but he did get pretty sick. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. Rough times back then. Again, I, I always tell these young guys around here, Dan, no matter what's going on in your life, just be glad you're you're living now. And you've got these long life expectancies, the miracles of modern medicine, indoor plumbing, electricity, stuff that people back then could only dream of. But see, Dan observes President's Day. Dan brought it this afternoon. This is gonna go well. <laughs> Unlike the sports weekend for Tennessee, Dan, which was rather forgettable. Now, I will say this, and Bear, you could jump in here too. We said on the show, I think we ran the poll a week ago today. If, if you could go, if you could only split in basketball last week, you could split between Alabama and Kentucky, which game would you rather win? And I think it was something like 70% said they'd rather beat Alabama because they were number one at the time. And so from that vantage point, Dan, Tennessee got what they wished for but it's never fun to lose to Kentucky especially when they're not very good right but but you do have to look at it like you said if you're just wanting to split the two games obviously Alabama being number one you you, as a Tennessee person out there you would think uh, Tennessee people would want to get that W against the number one team in Alabama rather than a a Kentucky team which I, I guess you could say Tennessee could meet Kentucky and in Nashville, I know it's not a given, but you do have maybe one more opportunity to avoid a sweep. I can't remember the last time Rick Barnes was swept by Kentucky. It may have been the 14-15 season, but that, that may have been the Tyndall year, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know if Barnes has been swept at Tennessee against Kentucky. No, this is the first time that they've won both regular season media. It's so bizarre, too, Dan, because you're talking about a Tennessee team that was number two in the nation just a few short weeks ago and a Kentucky team that is very much uh, still, even with the two wins over Tennessee, is still kind of on the bubble. I mean, I, I think they're in pretty solidly right now, but they got four games left, uh, another bad loss or two, and they could they could still miss the tournament. Well, it is wild to think that of all the really good players that Rick Barnes has brought in, that it, it, it seems like he can never piece it together each year. And I get it, the Grant Williams Admiral team, they were kind of developmental players, and Admiral was brought in by, by Donnie also. But 
it's just so weird that they can't, especially this team, they, they can't find a reliable guy on the wing uh, to be a scoring presence. And obviously you have moments down low with Kamwa and, and Euros, but it doesn't seem like they can piece everything together. It's just, I, it, it just reminds me of Kelly Harper's quote, I guess it was last year, Big Orange Caravan. She was just joking that that uh, Rick Barnes should team up with Heifel to, to kind of coach and teach defense and the vice versa for offense. And now we're kind of seeing this in baseball after three games early with this new roster that Tennessee's got out there. The offensive woes are, are definitely the, the staples right now for baseball and basketball. And who knows? Maybe football has a, a huge spring here just to get Joe Milton under his belt to, to kind of work on the offense there for Heifel. Oh, man, uh, the hype daddy will provide, ladies and gentlemen. There's always that to fall back on, and, and Tennessee did get a commitment over the weekend. That kind of flew under the radar, but Marcus Goree, talented defensive back prospect from Bradley Central down the road, commits to Tennessee, had a really nice offer list, and <clears throat> it's a big pickup for Tennessee at a position of need. Uh, Dan, let's, let's back up, though, and, and talk about the baseball program for a second. Um, I don't think anybody's pushing the panic button after two early season losses. The Maui Ahuna thing is really bizarre, though. I had no idea that his eligibility was even in question heading into Friday night's game. Did Had you heard anything about that? I did not. And another thing that also stood out was uh, Griffin Merritt, the Cincinnati transfer. I, I had no clue. I don't know if it was talked about by other people, but I had no clue he had the two-game suspension from, I guess, his last couple of days at Cincinnati playing for, for the Bearcats. I mean, obviously, I knew Frank Anderson was going to have to miss at least one game, dating back to the Notre Dame regional last year to end the season. He still had one more game to serve. But I think the Griffin Merritt thing kind of flew under the radar, too, because that, that was kind of unexpected. And obviously, a high-caliber player coming in in Maui, taking over shortstop and just hours before first pitch to start this season, he's not out there. So, I mean, I understand why it probably got released a couple hours before. Maybe it's just an advantage they're trying to get game planning uh, for the other team. So they wouldn't obviously know about that. But, yeah, it's just kind of weird to see those two things just fly under the radar. The only two things I can think of with Maui, and I, I don't know exactly – this is speculation station, so please, you know, don't don't take this as we're reporting anything here. But the only two things I can think of as far as an eligibility thing would be, A, something with the NIL stuff going on, or B, if Kansas is mad about a tampering allegation or something like that, which happens in all these sports now, and, like, it's – I don't see how you're going to do that. But either way, uh, Dan, it, I guess the third thing is is grades, but it feels like if that were the issue, they a, a transcript issue or something, they would have reported that and, and just let that out. But they've been very vague about it, which makes me think it's either like, a, you know, he's a money thing or a tampering thing. And to me, Dan, if if it's one of those two, you either go ahead and suspend Maui for X number of games like they have in other sports when people have broken those sorts of pay-for-play rules, and or B, if it's a tampering thing, then you know put it out there and 
you know, you, you suspend whoever you got to suspend or find whoever you got to find. But there, it's ridiculous to me that the kid transferred, what, eight months ago? And the season started and the issue is unresolved. It's just absolutely absurd that there's no clarity to it. That kid had 27 – I was uh, communicating with a member of his family that came from Hawaii, 27 people. His immediate family and friends flew from Hawaii to Arizona. Think about how much those plane tickets and hotel, uh, all that cost. 27 people flew thinking they're going to see their family member, their good friend Maui Ahuna, play baseball in Arizona only to find out two hours before the game that he's ineligible? That's absurd. Well, like you said, speculation. I mean, that's the key here. But this is where I want to speculate because there was a coaching change at Kansas. Dan Fitzgerald came in. I think it's his first year. I think he actually came from LSU as an assistant last year. And I think Kansas had a longtime baseball head coach retire. And Tony Botello mentioned him a few weeks back at a press conference. He was talking about Maui, his transition here, and he had only good things to say about the previous regime that he was under at Kansas. But with the coaching change there to Fitzgerald, you do wonder, especially with his LSU ties, if something could be there with the new head coach. Because obviously a new head coach would want Mally Ahuna on his team as good as he is to remain and be a shortstop this year in his first year. So, but like I said, speculation, but that does come to mind if you're just kind of looking at it and thinking, well, A, why did this fly under the radar? And B, why did we just find out about it two hours before first pitch? So I don't know if anything's there, but it is kind of interesting to see a new head coach and this goes on where he's not clear to play. But it kind of reminds me a little bit of Euros being not eligible at first. And then there was a big social media uprising storm i guess you could say and that kind of helped his case maybe or at least it put it out there on the forefront so who knows maybe you have a guy like euros who does go to baseball games maybe he can be a little bit vocal this week as they're back at home for for a few games yeah dan, yeah real, real, go ahead. real quick russ I, I just wanted to ask dan real quick with the guy coming off that lsu staff is there any kind of hint of you know, I, I, here in the SEC, it, there's some people that don't – these guys, all these guys don't get along. Is there a hint of, like, dirty – is that kind of – I wonder, to me, two hours for first pitch, first game of the year, uh, something smells to me. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know if there's a history there with Jay Johnson, who took over LSU's program last year, now in his second year as head coach for the Tigers. So he's obviously – obviously from that coaching tree last year. So I don't know if it was a situation where maybe Jay said, well, hey, you know, you're he's about to go to Tennessee. I, I mean, we got to play them this year also. And obviously preseason one and two. So I don't know if it was something like that. But it is, it's just very alarming to, to see that go down, especially with all the hype and everything being mentioned about Maui, how it's just going to come in and, and take over that shortstop spot right away. And obviously – Rightfully so. I mean, he's that good, but it's just weird. I don't know if there's a Jay Johnson thing or if it's just Kansas first-year head coach wanting that player to stay with him, but but I'm sure there's something there. It's just uh, unacceptable, man, to me that 
you've had seven or eight months, however long since. I mean, he he committed to Tennessee as soon as last season was over. Like I remember reading reports about him visiting or something. I think during that super regional, and and he was committed to Tennessee quickly. It's 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 just ridiculous that the season is, has started and that situation is up in the air. I mean, again, if, if there has to be some sort of suspension, some sort of punishment, that should have been decided months ago, announced. We should know what the deal is. We knew what the deal was with Griffin Merritt. Like, it wasn't widely reported like you talked about, Dan, but they knew that when they took him, that he had the he was thrown out of the last game after it ended and he was going to be suspended. And that's not a that's not a big problem. He's back now and, and he's going to be a mainstay in the lineup. But uh, the Maui thing, and, and it's a distraction, man. It's, a, it's terrible for him and his family, first of all. It's, uh, you know, the coaching staff's got to be wondering, man, when that's got to be major, majorly stressful for them. And then his teammates, you know, he's around, he's in the dugout, he's at practice and everything. It's a big distraction, man. It's not fair to uh, Maui, to Tennessee's coaches, to the fan base, to anybody. It's just absurd. But anyway. Dan Harrelson, Vols Wire, with us on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Dan, uh, before we let you go, anything else uh, you wanted to touch on today? You got a thought on Marcus Goree, the football commitment, or anything else in the world of University of Tennessee athletics? Yeah, just uh, glad baseball starting up. Interested to see how basketball finishes up with regular season play and then, of course, the Nashville for the SEC tournament. See what this team can do. I guess guys like Joe Lenardi are out there still big believers of Tennessee and Rick Barnes. We'll see how it plays out. But, you know, spring football will be here before you know it. So I'm very, very anxious to see uh, some of the players, like especially on the offensive side, just how they can kind of gradually get, get into the mix of things with Josh Heifel's offense. And as I mentioned before, it should be very fun to keep up with Joe Milton this spring. But just glad baseball's here. And it should be fun to see how they piece this thing together, especially in the outfield for Tony. Good stuff. Go check him out, VolsWire.com, at Dan Harrelson on the Twitter machine. Dan, we appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for jumping in. All right, thank you. Dan Harrelson on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Check out Big Orange Phillies out in halls. Tell them Fan Run sent you. Pro tip. Pro tip here when you go to Big Orange Phillies. Tater tots. Tater tots. You like tots, uh, like good tots, really crispy yep. on the outside and fluffy, moist, and warm on the inside. Tater tots. You can, I mean, the fries are good, and they've got onion rings, and, and they're, they're good, but uh, I'm a big tots guy, and they got tots over at Big Orange Phillies. I, I, I will try that this week because I'm a, I'm a tots guy. That's what guy. I got, boys, uh, when I got my, my, Philly, my Philly cheese steak to go. Always go with the tots. Big tots guy myself. Big Orange Phillies, 6625 Maynardville Pike and Halls. Check them out online, bigorangephillies.com. We'll take a quick break. Get to your phone calls. Coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. Monday afternoon edition of the show. Bear, I've, I've found out the uh, 411 on the James K. Polk. It wasn't, he wasn't castrated, but. How bad? It was bad. He had gallstones. Oh, God. And so gallstones in – this happened in 1812 when he was a young man. Not exactly the height of medical technology, 1812. No. 
And so his dad was taking him in a wagon up to someplace in Kentucky to have to see a doctor. And he was overcome with pain. And so they had to like go and they saw a, a doctor who specialized in like women's health. He was the only guy available. Got I get, I don't think that's what they called it back then, but yeah, he's, um, I'm, I'm looking at this huge article and I've already passed. Oh, uh, he was, um, the guy's name was Dr. Ephraim McDowell. He was an early pioneer of ovarian surgery. It was considered one of the finest physicians in the area. He was di- uh, Polk was diagnosed with gallstones, and the doctor insisted upon immediate operation. So, okay. so they, you know, they don't have much anesthesia going on right now. Here's the procedure. The patient, according, uh, the patient is naked from the waist down is positioned on his knees and firmly strapped down so the doctor, who could not see the stone, could insert his finger or instrument inside the rectum to feel for the stone and determine its relative size and position. So we're off to a bad start. You know, kind of a... Your your gallbladder's not really, from what I understand, it's not really close to your rectum. Okay, well, I mean... Dr. Bear, fake doctor he is, might actually be more educated than 1812 doctor. They didn't have x-rays and stuff back then, you know. So some practitioners then inserted a nail through the urethra. And is this while he's naked from the waist down and yes. strapped down on his knee? <laughs> Inserting okay. a nail into the urethra and then tapping it with a hammer to, ooh, ooh. to shatter the stone. Ow! Again, it's nowhere near the urethra. I've seen some, some drawings of this, and it looks like some sort of demented Kama Sutra thing have is not good. Did it work? It's like dark looking. Yeah. Well, uh, funny you should ask Marcus because according to this report I'm reading that um, it worked. Yes. After his surgery, recovering rest, the formerly ill Polk was able to focus on his education for the first time. Went to the University of North Carolina for his formal schooling. Latin salutatorian in his class of 1818, considered a preeminent scholar in both classics and mathematics. Returned to Tennessee, studied law, and eventually opened up his own practice and could claim Andrew Jackson as one of his mentors. Huh. But huh. He, he had a rough time of it as a young man. Which one of the three kind of a little bit controversial, huh, his presence? Is that Johnson? <laughs> Andrew Johnson was impeached, yes. I mean, whatever that was, you know, with the impeachment. Whatever whatever. happened there. Whatever happened there. Like, he was in charge of reconstruction after the Civil War, correct? Yeah, he was was not a nice guy. Yeah. Despite what our our friends in Greenville have to say about it. uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like I was getting a nail through my urethra watching UT Sports this weekend. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, it felt like that when Zakai picked up that second foul at, what, the 14-minute mark around in there, the first half. Yeah. It's just unpleasant, man. Unpleasant. Can, can we even drive any enjoyment? Of, I mean, there's a couple of positives. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Vescovy, Vescovy and Jemai. I want to see. Uh, I'd love to. We need tomorrow night. It would be fantastic to see Jemai follow that up with a nice offensive. Nice offensive output. Well, we've been asking for guys to, to attack. Defense. We've been asking guy, for guys to attack the rim, and and we saw a little He's bit of that. He's the only one that will. Oh, Vescovy got to the rim yeah, a couple. But I mean, I'm, I'm not saying, it, and he and he and he finished on a lot of, you know, on that big spurt he had. But there's a difference. My he's aggressive and a lot more explosive athletically. I think. Okay. Well, we'll see if it translates down the road into more production and or if it was just kind of a desperation Anomaly. thing and we go back to doing our normal half-court stuff tomorrow. Let's get uh, TJ, the Kentucky fan, in. TJ, good afternoon, sir. Hey, what's up, guys? I'll be quick. I know you're pressed for time. Um, the 2014 and 15 season, we only played once that year we haven't swept you guys since 2012 when we won the national title i'm not sure why in 14 and 15 we only played once i can't remember what the reason was i remember that year yeah i remember being really upset about it was it right after missouri came into the league and and they expanded and i think so they moved some things around I, i i remember that too yeah that's what I was thinking. Um, real quick, I was caught watching a Kentucky game a couple games ago. Jimmy Dykes was on the call. There was a, a, a whistle on a play that just ticked me off. It was one of those whistles that you jump out of your seat and scream at the TV. Jimmy Dykes said this year the refs were told at the beginning of the year to let the foul happen and play out, and that's why you see so many late whistles. They were told not to blow the whistle as soon as the foul occurred. Because if you remember on Oscar Sheboy's dunk down the lane in the second half, I'm surprised they counted that and he got a free throw because that foul happened at, like, the free throw line. I thought it happened a little bit closer to that, but I remember thinking in real time, I was like, there's no way that was a shooting foul. And then, like, when you – it's – but you're, it's in this gray area, and the NBA has completely, with the continuation thing, I mean, it's ridiculous now. Like, the, you can dribble the ball and shoot after the foul, and, and they'll give you a free throw. But I thought, like, you could make the argument he was in the motion of beginning to lift up and take his shot, but it was it was questionable at best. Now, on my way out, I'll ask you, because I've had to hear it for the last couple of years, because – Granted, Rick Barnes is a Hall of Fame coach. I know there's a lot of Tennessee fans who are mad at him. Hey, look, there's a lot of Kentucky fans mad at Cal. It happens. It's sports. It's fandom. We all have it. But we own Kentucky in basketball. We own Kentucky in basketball. Since 2016, Kentucky is 10-9, and 9, or Tennessee is 
ten and nine against Kentucky since 2011. It's like some ridiculous number. Kentucky is up, but do you think, as a fan or even just looking at the numbers, Tennessee still quote unquote owns? No, of course Kentucky not. Kentucky I mean, basketball. No. No, I, 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 and I, I never felt like Tennessee owned Kentucky in basketball. We had, we definitely had the upper hand since Rick Barnes has been here, and still do. I mean, like that's, you know, they, they you guys swept the series this year, and it's still ten nine Barnes, but, um, no, I mean, obviously Kentucky shattered that uh, that narrative this year. I mean, it's, it, it's whatever. Like I, I still think Tennessee has a better team this year than Kentucky. But you guys won both games, so you can't really say much. NCAA tournament, you're betting, putting a thousand dollars down. I give you four teams, but I pick the field. Who are your four teams? Y'all have a good one. Thank you, TJ. Um, man, I just I don't here's, know yet. Here, here's the thing about college basketball, man. And I don't know, maybe this is – maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I don't watch much of it. <laughs> I watch Tennessee, and that is about oh. it. Well, I actually, since the past few years, I've um, started – I watch a lot. And the one thing I'll say, this year especially, who knows, because there's so much parity right now. And people are – you know, some some people take – is that it's just not as good this year, but I think there's a lot of parity, and I, I kind of anybody can beat anybody on any any night. Just looking at the polls, I guess uh, I would throw Kansas in there. Obviously, they're defending national champs. Um, that guy can coach in the tournament. I'll throw Houston in there since they have such a good team, and and again, I think a good tournament coach in Kelvin Sampson. I'm not a believer in, in Alabama. I think they're kind of like us. I think they're just going to run into a tough matchup and get bounced. So. Kansas, Houston. I'll throw that Purdue team in there. UCLA, I guess. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't know too many. So hang right there. We got to take a quick timeout. Marcus will have your top four at four when we continue on the drive right here on Fan Run Radio. 